0: Welcome to this SoccerWorks Roundtable live at the Eastern Shore Premier Cup in Daphne, Alabama. I am joined on this uh, first episode here at Triumph Park in Daphne, Alabama with the Director of Coaching of Rangers Academy at Daphne, Gulf Coast Rangers. What other titles do you have, Gerardo
1: Flores? Too many. Too many. Lose myself. Yeah, just director of uh, director of soccer now has kind of become the just, the, the, but it's a title and, and overseeing soccer is just the, um, the soccer
0: development of the club from little ones to big ones. Fantastic. So um, before we get into the cup this weekend yep. and what we're doing and, uh, and, and what all is taking place here at Triumph Park, let's just first kind of zoom out. 50,000-foot view, What what is Rangers as it pertains to the Gulf Coast? To kind of share to the world, what, what is Rangers, what, what does it kind of look like in a global sense in terms of teams, first teams, yeah. women's, men's, all of it? Yeah, talk, so, talk to us. Um, if we're looking at from from afar, which is quite difficult, I don't
1: have a PowerPoint presentation to, to give anyone, but the, the idea with Rangers was to create an inclusive um, club that allowed, um, allowed cities or surrounding cities, small communities to feel that they can come together under Rangers. Rangers was the unbiased uh, uh, adhesive for us to come under. So that was, that's was that been our goal is to set up as a youth club that connected with the surrounding cities to grow Rangers as, a, as an academy all the way filtering,
0: creating a pathway that gave us to supporting our men's and women's so you have a men's and women's team you have the academy here in Daphne you also have a connect academy in Fairhope correct and uh there's also a uh a partnership affiliation what 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 is the kind of relationship with Rangers of Scotland yeah so our relationship with them is is is,
1: is, as close as a we have a Rangers supporter there right behind us um our, our affiliation is is a relationship. Really, we have we have the ability to go over, visit, uh, walk into Murray Park, uh, message the coaches on WhatsApp, uh, talk talk openly about player development, about questions. If we have players that want to go visit, we set up very easily tours, and and um, and our players have had great experience going over and just being immersed in, in their in their culture. Fantastic. So,
0: we we have. You know, an academy uh, system structure that is here in Daphne, here in in Fairhope. Yeah. I know there've been conversations about continue to grow that along the Gulf Coast. Now there's a men's and women's yeah. uh, first team. What, as you as you look at this weekend, let's zoom back into the the Eastern Shore Premier Cup. What was the thought process behind rethinking? How, how a youth tournament or an academy tournament looks like uh, for you guys. What was behind that thinking and, w- and what did you ultimately land on in this kind of first foray into a, a new version of, a, of an, a youth tournament? Yeah, so one of our
1: biggest challenges, and I, I think everyone can, can agree or, or has similar issues across the country, um, youth soccer sometimes loses its way youth football loses its way so and and what i mean by that is the environment we create or or try to create for them sometimes becomes misdirected misguided uh misunderstood and so what we say is when we sat down as coaches as, as people involved in the youth game we said what do we really dislike what do what do we dislike about the environment we're creating and so hands down it was some of the uh how they compete Right? so it wasn't that competing was the problem we want them to compete sure. we, we want to create competitive young people and, um, and so th- sometimes that message can get a little bit confused we, we don't want to take competition away we want to change the environment in which they're competing and so that was our attempt our attempt was right, how do we create this tournament driven soccer madness right, that we live in and which has become a norm and how do we say right, it doesn't have to be that way Right. It, can, it can be uh, enjoyable it can be festive it can be ce- ce- you know celebrating soccer with teams and competing and yet take away a little bit of that toxic environment that we as adults sometimes create
0: so specifically let's let, let's just look at say one one of the things that you guys were looking at is hey we need to change this about the tournament uh, environment and after you kind of Identify whatever that is. What did you guys look to do to change that in this Eastern Shore Premier Cup? So, well,
1: first thing was for sure we know that players um, they're going to compete and they want to. The, the outcome is there, right? That's the right. obvious. Um, and so we knew that that by setting up the game, the, the structure of the of the event, they were going to come out and play. They were going to come out and compete. What we wanted to take out was that the outcome was the overall importance that the that the result was gonna be what made or bra- broke their experience. So we took out from the ages of 12 down to eight, we took out the championship game. They're still playing three games, they're still competing. everything seems really competitive around us. Uh, but they're playing for more um, uh, a little bit of a, a, a different award. And so we have sponsorship award uh, sorry, sportsmanship award. we have a team style of play award. We even give the parents an award of their behavior and uh, attitude on the sideline. So the team and parent that uh, that uh, represents the best sideline behavior. Okay.
0: so picking up on sideline behavior, this is the first tournament I've ever been to. Yeah. uh, And I've been to tournaments across the country where I see basically a rope line. Yeah. And some signage talking yep. to parents and spectators, and there's there's a good five yard setback yep. from the sideline with kind of a rope line going down. And, and and as I'm looking out across the fields, you see just rows of chairs and people, but it's all set back about five yards. Was was that uh, the, the thought process behind that? Uh, playing along line, the lines of what you're talking about in terms without of kind of changing that environment, without a doubt. So that little piece, and
1: I know it's been strange for some parents as as we've driven around in our in our little golf carts fixing all the little the uh, little pickets that, that are out. It's strange for them to be s- s- uh, sat back so far, not on top of the sideline. So uh, there's a really good book, Coaching Outside of the Box, that talks about player development, and um, they they open up one of their chapters with. We need to, as, as parents and adults, we need to step back both physically and metaphorically. Breathe, relax, and enjoy the game. And so that was pretty much our message and our idea behind setting up a, a physical barrier, um, some string and some, and some sticks, saying, step back, allow the space, allow the players the game, allow the referee to referee the game without feeling that they're right on top of it, suffocating them. So I, I think, you know, it looks really good, uh, in the sense that they are five yards away, the kids almost have this feeling of their arena of right. play, and um, we've had some really good um, response from it.
0: You know, when you watch a professional match, the fans even even in a league like the Premier League, where right where top. there is there is this feeling that you're right on top of the field, right. that the the stands come all the way down, right, like, real low yeah. in the Premier League, which is you know not necessarily the standard around the world that, yeah. the, that the stadium seats get that low and that close. But even then, there is a, a little bit of a barrier. You For know, sure. if you kind of zoom out yeah. over the field, you see that there's probably at least five yards or so
1: oh, that, a doubt. They're,
0: that they're away, which, you know, really allows the operations of the game yeah. to function properly because the players have the room to, to perform throw-ins uh, compete on the sidelines yes. you know if there is a slide tackle they're not like sliding into a chair yes. you know three feet three exactly. feet away
1: and the parents don't feel that they're on top and, right in true you know they don't mean it i don't know if the parents mean it. it's just it's become our normal right it shouldn't be our normal right it's not normal for parents or fans to sit on the sideline and so there as a parent if my child's competing i am now in their arena and you know their reaction might not be what you want
0: it to be sure so let's step back let's let's give the space the time to breathe a little bit have you gotten any feedback uh we had we had a few matches last night obviously it's already begun this morning and and there are matches going on right now as we speak yeah. have you gotten any feedback from parents or spectators about this new arrangement that you guys have put out this weekend
1: uh i think i think
0: I think the referees were really appreciative. So I spoke with the referees before just to tell them
1: our our, our approach and what we we're doing. They were really appreciative of the space that we were creating. Um, I was also told that a couple of the coaches were going around taking pictures of the signs that we have, which read, parents, spectator viewing area, remember this is just a the game, their game. The players are just kids and the referee is just a human. And so that was just a little message of saying,
0: again, let's allow the kids to play. Let's right. give them space. So, amen. So, there's there is also some other ideas in terms of trying to create a different atmosphere. We, we've talked for a few minutes about this whole spectator area. We've looked at um, giving referees and players kind of the, the arena, you yep. know, the room to breathe in the arena. What else is going on here at the Eastern Shore Premier Cup in terms of some different ideas to, to change the atmosphere? Yeah, so... One of the things that we want to we want to be strong tied into
1: our community, right? So we have our local food trucks tied in. We have the lo- local Smoothie King, the local coffee shop. So we, we want it to f- feel festive. We want it to feel that we are celebrating soccer. We're celebrating kids playing soccer. Right. That's something to be fun about, and it should be a family affair of coming out and watching and enjoying the day. Sure. So that, that festive atmosphere is something that we have tried to do over time. So that doesn't change too much. I think it looks really really cool today because it's... How, we, how we've been able to set it up. The other things that we added were a street soccer cage. Really simple to do. We reached out to our city and they gave us they loaned us barricades. We set up a cage with some little mini goals and allow the kids to play a little street soccer. Set up some rules for them, let them go. Um, another fun one was a player's lounge. A, a players being able to co- uh, sit down uh, in, in some chairs underneath and we have a projector
0: with some FIFA that will play all day. So, I know that was a really big hit last night. It seems to have uh, been a big hit again today yeah. where there is a, for, for those listening, there is a big tent, 20 by 20, 20 tent, and uh, it's got three sides on the tent, so one side's open, and there's a big screen, projector, FIFA, and what, eight, six, eight chairs? Yeah, I think like ten chairs maybe? Ten, eight or ten, ten chairs. chairs. And they're they're not like folding chairs for th- those of you listening. These are nice, big, outdoor, mm-hmm. comfy, padded chairs where the kids can come in, sit down, play each other in FIFA, yeah. enjoy you know rag each other yeah like they do kids, on the field kids from when different clubs playing, yeah. playing FIFA against each other yeah. yeah. So it's it's that's a, been a, a really cool environment. What what else is there? Anything else that you guys have kind of tried to do out here to? change some of the atmosphere and those are,
1: are two are, are probably our biggest uh, um additions were one the soccer cage to, to, to get kids playing street soccer or the idea of street soccer in that cage uh the players lounge and the the spectator zone uh, one thing that we added to the tournament was giving the coaches the ability to vote or nominate teams that try to play uh good soccer uh good attitude good character good sportsmanship and so the the, the coaches are now uh, have a little bit of responsibility just to kind of put forward a team and a player of their division that stood out, and we're going to go ahead and award that player tomorrow uh, with Player of the Tournament, Female of the Tournament, so on. Fantastic.
0: So, as we we look at um, the uh, teams, the clubs that have come in for this tournament, have you had a chance? I know we're we're almost halfway through. Yeah, um, not quite, but close. Have you had any conversations yet with some of the other clubs in terms of any of their opinions or feedback of, yeah. of the experience so in, far you know the because because tournaments is a norm for us
1: it was there is a doubt that this can be you know we've had we had a few teams and clubs that didn't want to attend because it wasn't sold to them as a tournament we let them know that it was a festival format that they would come they would play there was no medals for winning the whole division. So we had some teams turn us down, some clubs turn us away, which is completely fine. I think there's this doubt that it can't be done. There's this belief that it has to be done the way it's always been done. And that the tournament has to have 150 teams from, you know, from Iowa to you know, you know, West Florida or South Florida to, to come and be a good tournament. Uh, and so look, our goal is not to be huge. Our goal is to be good, quality and a good experience. So, every club could do this. Every single club could work with their local coffee shops, local vendors, and set up a festival's format of playing soccer.
0: What do you hope the
1: players take away from this weekend? So, perfect, perfect. So, Thursday night, we had training. Most of our teams were out here. I had a chance to speak to all the parents. And um, I reminded the parents of why we're going away from tournaments um this season so our teams won't participate in, in in tournaments at the ages of 12 and below. So uh, a mom left that meeting and she a few minutes later I was sitting at the bleachers and a, a, she came brought her little boy her little boy's 10 years old she said coach Coach G, can you explain why we're not doing tournaments to to our player to our to my son And so I asked him I said, what do you what do you like about tournaments? And he says, well, uh, I I like to play. I said, okay, fair. Uh, What else do you like? Um, I like to play in goal. Oh, okay, well, we can play in goal, okay. Um, What was the third one, Xavier? I want to play, I want to play in goal, and I want to have fun, right? Those are the three things. I was trying to get something else out of them. He said, name the three things. I want to have fun, I want to play, and I want to play in goal. I said, okay, so we can provide that, right? So. The idea is that the only way to provide it is in a tournament is is sadly become a 10-year-old's reality. And that shouldn't be. And so we assured him, guess what? This weekend, you will be able to play. You'll be able to play a position that your coach doesn't feel stressed to pigeonhole you in a different one because you're, you should be there. Um, and you're going to have fun. Because every kid that's walked by and seen the FIFA tent or the cage and, a sm- you know, gotten a smoothie or whatever, it's all of this set up, that's made it fun, right? So that in itself has been our, our, our goal. And another one, Daniel, we've just been trying to listen to the players. We've been trying to, over time, we've been trying to listen to them. So a dad calls me um, after one of our, this is a year ago. A dad calls me and he says, I've had an interesting conversation on the way home or a question answered on the way home. So what was that? He said, "We just won a tournament in Mississippi, and on the way home, the two boys in the back are wearing their medals over there around their neck." And I turn around and I look in the mirror. He says, and I say, "Hey guys, wh- what do you prefer? Um, tournament? Do you prefer winning a tournament, or do you pr- pr- prefer uh, playing in a play date?" Now play days just show up, play two games. And the boys looked at their medals, they grabbed onto them, looked at them, and they said, we prefer play dates?" Dad goes, "Why?" He goes less stress and we gotta have fun playing so okay All right, we'll remember that
0: so very good so looking into the future you, you this is your first one um, and kind of looking ahead into what you want to build on from this weekend what is something that you're you're dreaming about in terms of next year's Premier Cup and continuing to build on what you did this year you, you got any ideas that are in yeah, the dream machine that you're thinking about
1: yeah a couple things one i think our focus is going to shift because we're academy focused um that daphne rangers is academy based uh we we're probably going to shift and just focus on the ages of 12 and below so this year we added a 5v5 division for the little ones um and that's been a hit. The parents love it. The kids love it. They'll come out and play, play goal, and They switch around. So we probably want to introduce more of that, more of our little ones playing. Focus all on 12s below. So our mission, our message is all the same. So right now, some of the 13s and above are competing in the traditional tournament format. So we, we're probably going to move away from that if, I, if I'd have to say what's going to happen going forward. The next thing is I really want parents and the clubs to know what we're doing. And 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 feel good about joining and excited about coming to, coming to join us, so that's going to be um, probably our main objective. Focus on the ages that we we represent, and then really have parents and pa- uh, coaches understand it and support it.
0: So, if you compared uh, um, participation this year compared to last year. Numbers relatively the same, little down this year, little up. What What are you thinking?
1: We're we we're, we're right about. Um, last year we probably had two clubs that uh, were really strongly supported or uh, represented, uh, and this year they probably would affected those numbers. So, uh, last year we were record record number of ninety six teams at the tournament, and probably busting at the seams. And this year we're at 72. we were at 80. And then, like I said, some of those just kind of trickled away as they right. said, no, no, not for us. Or we've had issues going on. So we ended up, but, but that's okay. You know, I'm not, I'm not chasing the, the $100 team mark. If uh, the more people that find out about our format, our belief, our, our expectation, our standard, all of our little pieces of, of parent sidelines and coaches' uh, expectations, then maybe that might climb. You know, right. but I'm not chasing. We're not chasing the number. We're chasing the
0: quality. Well, and and I think too that the biggest part of rethinking or reimagining, which is a necessary process, in, in if you listen to SoccerWorks at, at all, I at different times, talk about striving, being you know reaching for opportunity, reaching for the best, rethinking, being willing to reevaluate what you currently do so you can do. What you do better Sure. So as you are looking At a tournament format And you're rethinking that One of the things that I look at As not just someone Who is, is here to do the show I, you know, I, Full disclaimer I have a son in this club who, yeah. Who's playing this weekend as well Is to Look at not only what's being done But how it can influence things That are going to be done in the future sure. So when you go to other tournaments, my hope would be that people start to use this experience as kind of a license to experiment yeah. themselves, yeah. you know, and in- inspiration to to dream about the future and not just get stuck in, well, this is the way we've always done it. it right. That is the worst um, sure. m- mentality in regards to whatever business, organization, soccer club sure. that you're running or that you are doing and it is is actually one of the biggest problems in US, in US soccer at yep. large is that we have adopted this mentality and it begins at the top at the federation level um, but it it is trickled down all the way down into the grassroots just in just like into communities like this yep where we have we have adopted this mindset that this is the way we've always done it but the truth is uh, the truth is is that this is not the way we've always done it we, right. it's the way we've done it for a while right. but youth tournaments were not the way American soccer existed for decades this this whole tournament environment is actually relatively new if you if you zoom out of you know, the present and kind of look back even 10, 15, 20, 25, 30 years ago, you actually would see a, a completely different experience for for youth soccer players around the country that changed in the last 15 to 20 years. And and in that 15 to 20 years, that's when this mentality has kind of gotten baked in. You know, it's right. become concrete and, and it's become this, well, it's the norm. It's just what right. we do. It's the way everybody should do it. And I admire the fact that you guys are willing to take a risk. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. It, it can um, negatively affect your your business, yeah. you know your operations and have an, an adverse effect on your programming in yeah. terms of resources. But at the same time, being willing to take a look at that, revisit that, reimagine, the experience to me is is such a good thing and i hope that uh, other clubs take notice Thank and are willing uh, to re- dream themselves you know and sure. rethink themselves and and hopefully you know continue to try to raise the bar and and, and it becomes uh, you know competitive in that regard not yeah. just on the field but Club to club in terms of the the experience. player experience, yeah. the club experience, the referee experience, because that's that's really how we start to improve the quality for sure um, of not just development but the soccer experience in America is by doing what you guys have done, being willing to reimagine the uh, the tournament format and environment, but also to then take that challenge on and say, okay, how how can we do it better um, as a club, as as Rangers, but other clubs looking at this as well, going, how can we re- reimagine this? Um, have you had any conversations with any clubs about the idea going forward or looking into the future of uh, trying some different formats uh, w- with events? Well, for sure, one, one thing that we need to do
1: for, for, for us, if we want this to be sustainable, if we want the experience of the player, what we try to do is, we don't want our players and our families to rely on tournaments to get them competition, and I think that's what's happened to a lot of clubs is that they rely on tournaments throughout the season, every week or every other week, twice, three times. Excuse me, a month. We have clubs that go and attend tournaments, and so that, that shouldn't be, that shouldn't be the norm, right? You know, we, we should have better systems and leagues set up. For that young kids can compete, maybe more than what they do in tournaments, but in a more periodized and more um, structured, you know, way. Instead of showing up, playing three, four, five games in a weekend, you know, ending with a with a championship, and then the next, you know, go worrying about the Walgreens Cup, you know, the next weekend. You know, it's, that shouldn't be the focus. The focus shouldn't be about how many tournaments we can go win. How long can we keep players playing? In an enjoyable, competitive, development-focused setting, right? So that we can have these conversations of competition at seventeen, eighteen onward, nineteen, right. twenty. You know, we're so fixated on the competition, and, and and let me let me let me backphrase or back backstep. The competition will always be there. The sure. kids will compete. It's the environment in which we're allowing them to compete in,
0: right? So when we let's let's have a, a quick discussion about player development yeah it's there's there's often a discussion about uh ratios right so how many training sessions per match is best what what kind of ratio do you guys try to strive for when you're looking at that so uh
1: and again i'll speak from the from the youngers younger when we spoke to our parents we, we we have some startling numbers that um That we face and and that's that we don't have much time with our players right so we have 16 week um season cycles that we'll do we do a summer break or a winter break and we try to introduce futsal or something like that uh in that time that we have with them we'll do an average of we spend about four or five six hours let's say a week with them May it be in training uh our technical tuesdays or world cup wednesdays that we offer and then let's add a game on the weekend so we look at like six hours a week that we might have on average with each kid over a stretch of sixteen weeks, sadly, we only have like three days with them—seventy-two hours out of a, a, out of you know a thousand something hours that w- that we potentially could have. Right. So, we what we can do in the youth level is that you know we offer as much as we can from training twice a week to extra training sessions. Um, one thing we can do is give the game back to them, and give a little bit of responsibility to the parents, and uh, so we're trying to adopt this. Uh, what I stole and read from Tom Byer um, soccer starts at home or football starts at home the idea that their development is there they're theirs to own right and so very simple if you want to write you want to be a good writer you better read books and begin writing if you want to be a good cook you better get in the kitchen and cook right Uh, fail and and mess up Uh, and if you want to be a good soccer player it's not going to happen on the pristine grass that we have here under the city lights that we have, uh, it's gonna happen in your own time, in your garage, in your backyard, in your front yard. So th- that's a message that we're trying to get out to our players and our parents. There has to be ownership in your development process, but we're gonna offer as much as we can along the way. So if you
0: could re, you know, rethink this area of the country, I know other areas of the country, league play yeah. is, prevalent yeah um you know so routine uh, or a regular weekend for those clubs is playing one maybe Mm -hmm. two matches you know one on a saturday one on a sunday Mm -hmm. and then they're training during the week um which you know i d to me is the ideal schedule it's what you see around the world you know with our professional teams with their academies as well in europe even south america there's a you know focus on training during the week playing a match yep. you know kind of on the weekend and you know playing in a league with a league table league yep. format um it's still obviously very competitive but it it kind of reduces some strain physically emotionally yep. uh, mentally on the the players by you know having a big number of games and you know three or four weeks yeah uh, i mean three uh three or four games in a, in a weekend or um, also, it, it kind of, I think, reduces some of the stress from parents thinking yeah. I've got to win, you know, two, three, four games, everybody yeah. gets up tight, you know, in, in a 48-hour in a period rather than that being spread out over a season. Um, looking at the Gulf Coast, that's not something that's kind of a big part of the culture here. Yeah. Are you guys um, trying to have any conversations with other yeah. clubs about, yeah. hey, hey, can we figure something out to – you know, work towards some kind of a league solution. For, yeah, so that's that's one of our probably down the road or
1: actively trying to do is set up something um, that we have in place that looks like a, maybe a 12-week to 15, you know, whatever it is, uh, home and away game. Um, and we can do that. We could do that from here to Mobile to Pensacola to Gulfport. Very simple. an hour radius, there's enough teams to have a little league right. that, that gives us the chance to compete. And not have to rely on tournaments to provide the competition. Right. So again, that's one of the things that we want to say that the that that's not how it has to be. Right. I understand that's how it is. And I understand there's clubs that go chase a tournament every weekend. But that's not for the development of the kid. So if we're gonna talk it, you better walk it. Right. And so what we want to do is, this is what we've done. I, I was called a hypocrite about three years ago by 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 and, and you know what? I, I had to take it. Because there I was saying tournaments are bad for your kid's development. But their kid was completing a tournament the next weekend. Right. And the following weekend. Right. And so you, you've got to stand by it. So, okay, well, we're not going to do them. But if we're not going to do them, we have to offer the, the what is the solution. Right. Um, so it is – it is it could for sure happen. And, and, you know, I've been trying to follow this um, – Sam Snow, uh, U.S. soccer um, youth director for, for years, now retired, but he coined the word titus. And at one point in the, in the 80s, tournaments were really important because you had teams, let's say, like in Daphne, Alabama, and not another one until Montgomery. Right. And so you needed to get together and do a little tournament to get games in, get competition. Sure. Today, in small-town Alabama, Daphne, we do not need to go to Montgomery to get games. Right. We can go around the block, and play our games and compete and not have the worry of who's winning the gold, you know, Rouse's Cup. Right. So that's
0: that's that's where we're at. I mean. And and look, by and large, obviously there are pockets of the country where the game is better than others, in yeah, my opinion. For sure. Okay, right. So one of those areas that, that a lot of people talk about traditionally, Southern California. Yeah, for sure. But by and large, they're, they're, especially when you're looking at 12 and under, there is not a massive quality difference between matches in Southeast U.S. versus other parts of the country. No. So this idea that you have to drive eight hours to no. find a quality opponent, to yeah. me, is... is no. Pretty laughable, um, and anyone that that sticks to that mantra is either, uh, to me, being disingenuous or that they're just they just don't know what they're looking at because um, the bigger we're also sold. I mean, we, we, yeah, we, we you're, you're right we, you're sold this idea that you want
1: to go get competition and you have to go to Atlanta. Right. That's not true. Right. That's not true. You you want to get good training. You have to drive six hours for an hour of training session, ninety minutes. A, it's not true. Right. So we need to stop we need to start stop preaching development
0: and then doing anti development things. Right. Like drive four hours. There's four hours that you Can't get back. Four hours you're not kicking a soccer ball because you're in a car. Four hours that you could have owned as an individual, gone into deep
1: practice, Daniel Coyle mode, right? right, And developed your own ability rather than sit in a car, cramped up, and arrive at your destination of development to train. No. We need to stop selling that.
0: Yeah. There was actually an article uh, in the last year or so about a family that was having to drive a long way for... Participation in the Development Academy, Mm -hmm. I know that uh, Clinton Dempsey, um, the recently retired U.S. national team player who grew up in uh, Texas was, you know, quite a distance away. But for most players, um, this idea that that you have to drive so far to me is a myth that that needs to be um, sorted out, worked on. Because uh, it really is a waste of time in in most cases, uh, especially for the player, and and I think you know I'm going to touch on a on a subject and there are parents around, so they their ears may perk up. I'm a parent, so you know yep. you can you can hate me, you can at me, <laughs> you can find me uh, on social media, and you can come at me. I don't care, but I think that too often uh, youth sports where we happen to be talking about soccer. But to me, youth sports has become too much about the parents and not not about not enough about the kids.
1: Check my shoulder, now.
0: and um, so you can check your shoulder. You didn't say that; I said it. And I, and I'm a dad, but um, but even doing this show, I'm, I'm going to say that 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 too often parents have made it about themselves, their identity. They're um, you know they go to work they're bragging on their kids because their kids played in this or did this or did yeah. that and they're fine they're, they're almost living through their kids in yeah. uh, and, and finding their sense of validation and identity through their kids which in the end actually makes things worse when it yeah. comes to the player experience and you know if we're going to be about the kids and developing kids and making making uh, their future brighter yeah, um, I think as parents we, we need to look ourselves in the mirror and and you know, reevaluate. It's you know, it's okay to get frustrated with how certain things go. It's okay to, you know, want your kid to succeed and root for your team and, and be sure. completely emotionally, financially invested in supporting that. We as a family, my personal story, that that is what you know, what we we do as a family. We're fully committed in, and invested in, in our boys and in, in providing them as many opportunities as we as we possibly can but at the same time it, it's always got to be a check and balance yeah to make sure that what we are doing personally to support our kids is the best thing for our kids and right. not something for us, for us right right so well, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to make you jump into the no, it's okay, pot I, of boiling water, uh, uh, but if you uh, want to jump in, if not, we'll, we'll, I'll ask another question.
1: <laughs> uh, the, the, the scary truth is that we face some numbers in soccer specifically, but in sport and in health, all those things in, in U.S. specifically that we're seeing deteriorating numbers of active kids. Uh, but soccer a scary statistic that we have, and, and we used it the other night with our parents. At the age of 10, likely the, the 8 and 9-year-olds that are playing here today, 50% of them will not be playing at 10 based on what we know as numbers. Mm-hmm. Right. By the age of 14, all of our little 11, 12, 13-year-olds out here today, 7 out of 10 will likely not be playing. And so those numbers are real. That's not like made up, pulling out of the sky. But it, Then we need to look at what's the issue. And like I sat with, at, with the little 10-year-old boy on the bleacher, and he says, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to have fun, I want to play games, and I, and I want to play a different position. Right, so pay attention to what the kids are asking. And so I understand, I'm a dad now too, it completely changes, I empathize with parents that feel um, that this is the important you know, time. I tell you what's important is, is, is keeping
0: a kid active for a long, long time. Right, and you know, you brought up the statistics. I was just at the U.S. Soccer AGM this past weekend. and Did they, did they use them? The numbers are, are actually uh, getting worse yeah. um, because it's not just kids at the age of 10 and then kids that are in high school. They are seeing decreases even in adult registrations. Right. Most of the state associations on the adult level saw negative numbers in registration participation Last year into this year, yeah. Um, so it's it is a it is a national problem, um, and I th- you know I think a lot of that gets back to structures and systems within the U.S. and the fact that so many things are disjointed. There's yeah. not clear pathways for clubs, for players, for coaches, um, and and it makes it difficult. You know, there's obviously still a lot of um, unsolved issues that led to the failure of the U.S. men's national team to qualify for the 2018 World Cup. I think there's still a lot of dissatisfaction. Uh, I heard that from a lot of the voting members at yeah. the U.S. Soccer AGM. And and I think what they are feeling and what they were expressing at, at the AGM is indicative of what they are experiencing around the country as well, not just on the adult level, all the way down into the youth level. I, I think that we... Have kind of lost our way a little bit as a country. Um, you know, we were really, really growing in terms of registration numbers, and I think in the last, you know, five years or so, it started to plateau, and then now it started to, to decline a little bit. Um, and And I, I really think it comes down to the fact that when you know healthy things grow in a in a good way right yep. there's a there's they grow in a in a way that there is order yep and and um it's positive it's sh- it's structure cancer grows too yeah and so you know uh, not all growth is good so right. when it's when it's um you know a situation like what we have in the country where you you do have on a macro level some of these systemic issues um, and that affects the culture, and and we've been talking about one of those today with the structure of youth competitions. Yep. Um, you know, when when we get into uh, looking at that on a macro level with the with the federation as a, as the country at large, you know, it's to me important for everyone who's listening to this to the show to take a minute and and take a deep breath, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know revisit where we started which is you know if you if you were here and you were able to see this five yard gap from the sidelines that the parents and spectators are um, observing as they are watching uh, these matches if we could kind of you know do the same thing um, with how we look at soccer in this country take take five steps back and take a deep breath and go hey you know what are we doing as a country what are we doing in our community specifically yeah. so whether whether that is you know here in south alabama right on the gulf 2 hours east of new orleans uh, or if you are in oregon or oklahoma or hope maine so. or vermont you know i think if we all would just start to you know take a deep breath pause reflect reimagine and look at what we're doing and how we can do it better i think in the end we can start to find some solutions um and implement those solutions and see uh not just growth but healthy growth for the country right what what kind of final thoughts do you have for for us before we head out um well as as the as you look around
1: you still hear parents cheering you still see kids around us competing and, and those little changes of uh, the sideline uh, spacing and, and the referees uh, giving sportsmanship awards or, or, or tallying up sportsmanship behavior. The, uh, the truth is, and I hope that if we take, it doesn't have to be the way we've been doing it. It right. doesn't have to be. And, you know, if there's, there's maybe a place for it. You know, I'm not going to say it's, you know, the devil. But what I will say is that it doesn't have to be that way. It could be better, and we could we could do better. We could provide better. We can give a better experience for the player, for the parent, for the coach, for the referee. Um, now, one thing we didn't you didn't touch on um, is, is the lack of referees we have going Absolutely. on. Absolutely, uh, The state of Alabama alone had to go multiple games at the ages of 16, 17, 18, which is probably where you need a lot of your officiating to be good. Uh, they had one-man ref crews going on in the state of Alabama. And shortage they're calling it a shortage of referees and that comes down to just as just as it's not fun for a kid to play well how about this it's not fun for an adult to referee and be abused right you know I understand the the, all the pieces to it but I could assure you that no referee although I'll never want to put on a a referee top no referee wakes up in the morning and goes I can't wait to ruin that little ten-year-old's game Or I can't wait to get
0: blasted when I ruin that little 10 year old game. It's a real
1: issue. It's a real issue. So now, I've never had the conversation with referees about the the event that's going to precede them. When I told them of the space that we're going to allow and the festival format without it being a championship game at the end or all of that madness and hype, they were relieved. They were like, oh, this is good. I'm so excited. I'm excited to be here. And so when we start changing those things, when we start making it enjoyable for everyone involved, for mom, dad, grandparents who could sit down, have a coffee, watch their kid, their grandkids play, that's the environment that might sustain us longer. It might be beyond the season, beyond the year, beyond our high school seasons. And you know what? Those kids might come back as referees or as coaches or as fans. But it has to be this development focus has to have development action and we can't keep talking development and start and continue doing let's go to the beach to go win the you know the whatever t- tournament cup you right know? so those are little things i'm really passionate about it like i said i've been i've been called out on it i've been openly uh, open o- open about it on social media and i've gotten backlash on it you know by by those who who seem that this is the way or the only way. Right. So this was our attempt. And hopefully tomorrow by three o'clock, we can look back and go, (laughs) we survived. And it can work.
0: Right. And so
1: we'll find out tomorrow at three o'clock.
0: Well, we look forward to hearing some feedback in recap. And we'll revisit this at some point to to kind of look back to this weekend. For sure. And see, you know, what the experience was like and see also what you're looking at on... uh, next year's edition and and how you can continue to build on what you started this year um so quickly before we wrap up this episode looking into the future and we're going to have other guests on this weekend to talk about different aspects of the club and um, other things but you are uh, also serve as the the head coach of the Women's That's right. uh, the the lady, Rangers ladies mm-hmm. uh, team here with with Gulf Coast Rangers that plays in the WPCL I mean PSL. WPSL excuse mm-hmm. me WPSL so um, just quickly give us uh, a little bit of you know what you're looking at coming into the summer what, what are you what are you excited about from that aspect so
1: with both our men's and our women's but I'll speak uh, I'll speak specifically on our women's um, our our our, 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 our our overall objective was to provide a pathway for our kids in the club, um, but we also want to be competitive and we want to provide a place of um, development and competition for local players, so collegiate girls who are off often in the summer, post-collegiate girls who were once playing or wanted to play, or who knows, even a, you know, a 35-year-old previous player that just didn't have a place to play. So we want to make it up uh, of of, uh, of a number of things um, of of players, not things of players, uh, but our objective was of developing and having a pathway for our under 17s, 18, 19s, and onward. So this year coming up, I'm I'm personally really excited because we have some of our what older girls, you know, uh, juniors or seniors in high school that will have a chance, a real chance of being in there and competing against and with current collegiate girls and hopefully spark the aspirations and um to to continue playing and competing at a higher level so yeah we got some exciting stuff exciting girls and um we got some exciting things that hopefully we can announce on on how we're gonna uh, improve the experience of our home uh games for the summer for men's and women so
0: we've got a lot of moving pieces but hopefully all for the good fantastic fantastic well look, thanks for uh, for coming on the show and thanks for spending some time. I know you're busy this weekend running the running the tournament and, and running the, the club on a on a day-to-day basis. But if if someone wanted to get in touch with the club or with you, where you at on social media? You can probably find us all
1: Daphne Rangers Academy. All of our uh, handles are Daphne Rangers A C A. On Twitter, or, or you can find us Instagram and Facebook. And then I'm I'm pretty. I try to stay active um, on on all of them as well. Instagram, Facebook, and um,
0: and Twitter. Uh, G Flores one zero. G Flores one zero. Is that a aspirational one zero? That was a th- previous aspiration. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry to call so you out. Thanks, as we, man. As we that as we leave the, look, I dream of being a, thanks, a, a one zero as myself. Thanks. but you know it, we all have to dream, right? Yeah, you have to dream. My mom always said, uh, dream big. It do not cost anything. Absolutely. I tell my kids to dream big and work harder, and uh, hopefully they won't have to just dream about being a one zero. They can be a one zero. 0 There you go. So, Very good. All right, well, thanks for coming on the show, and uh, we look forward to uh, catching up with you in the future. Sweet. Thanks for having me.